first time ever. Hear you loud and clearly. Uh, and it was going place. That stuff's great. But the game is not a roguelike. Boomer shooter. Bang. Hello, this is John St. John, and you're listening to KWEP In The Keep, bringing you all the hits from the finest in the world of gaming and entertainment. Now sit back and relax as the drowned god Cathala lulls your mind with the tastiest talk in town. Welcome to another chapter of In The Keep Podcast. I'm your very own prophet of the drowned god, the Motherload. The Keep is a collective of gaming enthusiasts compelled by the drowned god Cathala to frag and jib one another into oblivion for all eternity. Ask your question. No, no, uh, sorry. I was just uh, out of curiosity. Where are you in the States? Oh, I'm in Arizona. Oh, nice. Haven't been there yet. Um, where have you been in the States? Uh, Let's just roll. We'll act like this was part of the podcast. Okay. So uh, I've only been to uh, California, uh, Nevada. Uh And uh, just before COVID hit, I was in uh, PAX East. So it was uh, uh, Boston. And since I was already so close, I went to New York. Uh, Okay. So we're in California. Uh, Well, I was in LA. Uh, Yeah, Mm -hmm. that was a... yeah that was not was actually what i was looking for i mean uh it was a nice experience but yeah uh so and, you just flew into lax saw la and then left uh no actually i was with a friend we did a road trip from uh we went to we took a of course you know live a childhood dream we rented a red mustang convertible <laughs> and you know just went through yosemichi and uh, drove to san francisco stayed in the bay area and uh yeah, that was that was really nice. Drove around, and yeah. then we went back down the Pacific Coastal Highway uh, through LA and to San Diego. San Diego was freaking awesome. My uh, my wife and I we we lived for about a year ish in Monterey, and it was amazing. Like some of the beautiful, most beautiful scenery you'd ever see in your life. Um, and and you're talking about the Pacific Coast Highways. I yeah. assume you mean Highway One. Um, yeah, from along the coast, not exactly. Some people, some people will get that confused and they'll take one the one hundred one interstate up, and like that's not the way. Uh, yeah, exactly. Yeah. But oh, yeah, the one, as they say it in California, the one is gorgeous. I mean, like you, you get to see Big Sur, you get to see Monterey, you exactly. get to see uh, Carmel by the Sea, San, you know, San Diego, everything. And God, it's just. It's a mind-blowing experience, especially for me. I grew up in the southeast on the Gulf Coast of the United States, and it's very, like, flat, you know. There's no mountains, and and, and the water um, is warm, so you don't get that, like, cut off, which, you know, we call it the beach. And it's like this kind of slope into, all right, well, there's the sand and the water. In California and and, in any west coast, western part of a uh, continent you have a totally different experience where it's like this uh this cliff that's just like from yeah. cold polar water cutting against the continent and you have this amazing like beautiful scenery and like big rocks sitting off the side i'd never seen anything like that until i was about 20 years old oh man and god just 
Yes, yeah, it's mind-blowing. Mind and yeah, I just wish I saw that place, uh, that really popular surf spot, Mavericks. I think that must oh, be really, man. yeah, I think that must look really cool. But yeah, sadly, didn't make this one. We would just, you know, we'd take a weekend trip and just go down. Like, like what, what's that? And you just, we didn't do any planning. We didn't do any like, uh, you know, this is the spot I want to see kind of thing. You, you mentioned Yosemite. Like I had a four-day weekend from work and I was just like, fuck it. Let's go to Yosemite and do Lake Tahoe while we're at it, you know, kind yeah. of thing. Yeah, that's so yeah. Oh, sorry. <laughs> yeah, that's so cool about the United States that you got so, um, also about California that you got so much in such close vicinity. You got like lakes, uh, mountains, uh, you, you know, ocean, you know, those uh -huh. cliff sides. It's just, uh, and the national parks. So you got, yeah, it's, uh, it's a really nice place to live. I, uh, well, actually, that's weird because actually, you know, some Californians I met, they weren't too happy about that. Um, it's, I don't think any reasonable American or Californian would say like, I'm unhappy that I get to see all this amazing nature, but yeah. you know, like there's the, there's the political part of it. Like oh, yeah, obviously and, and it's, a, it's very expensive to live in California for sure. Luckily my job was pretty much paying me a, a, like a housing allowance. Like, you know, you get two grand to live wherever you want. And I was like, I'm going to live in an apartment. That's like $1,100 a month. It's just me and my wife and my cat. Like, mm -hmm. fuck it. So <laughs> like, we'll just pocket the rest of that money and go traveling. And that's what nice. we did. And, and, and I loved it, man. It was, I'm, I'm glad you got to experience that. I, as much as I, I look forward to, you know, going and traveling other places in the world, I, I'm very blessed to have gotten more so than certain other people that I'm friends with to see uh some of the beauties that America has to offer, and Yosemite is yeah. one of them. So Yosemite, yeah, that's true. Like yeah, the views there are just damn. It's just, and it's so inspiring. Also, especially in in terms of making games, it just gave yeah. so many crazy ideas. Uh, yeah, it makes you wonder how many places were, it, per, for instance, in Europe, um, were like that that were terraformed for you know living space and. And, and, and I'm sure that's true also of America, but like at least there's like this kind of yeah. preservation. Yeah, that's sort of thing. Yeah, that's true because, uh, well, the thing I really liked about doing road trips with the United States, you would just feel the mm -hmm. awe of Mother Nature. You would just feel so puny against the backdrop, mm -hmm. for example, of the Great Canyon. And uh, it's just, and all those, you know, those wide open spaces, we don't get that much in Europe. Uh, yeah. You, there are some spaces like for example in poland we have these really amazing dunes which luckily aren't that commercialized uh you got these really high dunes that you feel like you're on a desert and when you think poland you don't think of this kind of stuff so you think have these like this view of the of the sea and the lakes from these dunes which are really tall uh high but uh yeah it's it's not the scale of the united states obviously uh, again it just because it's um, we're recording this on the fourth of July, so I'm I'm not trying to be like Mister America, but like yeah, that's a it's a huge part of like one of the few things that I can really point at that says like this is a destination point is is the nature and a big example for me was um, we we talked about Yosemite, but I went to Monument Valley, and I'm not sure if you're like are you familiar with Monument Valley? Uh, no, haven't been there. Okay, so have you ever seen the movie Forrest Gump? Well, of course. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I, I'm a human being, right? Like, yeah, and um, 
so there's a scene in that movie that is just absolutely iconic where Forrest is, you know, he's doing the run across America mm-hmm. and he, he says, you know what? He stops and he says, I think I'll go home now. Yeah. And he's standing in the street and in the background is this like amazing rock structure. Now that is on the border of Arizona and Utah and it's called Monument Valley. And that is a, a Navajo reservation that's been there forever. It's not a national park. It's technically a Navajo reservation. You have to pay to get in and, and you should have to pay to get in. And that is one of the most like spiritual moments I've ever had in my life was setting foot on that land. Not because I'm a super spiritual person necessarily, but just simply because like to see these rocks and I encourage you if you, if you have the time to like go look up pictures of it or whatever, it's, it would not do justice to the real thing. But when you look at it, you're like, this doesn't feel real. Like this right. doesn't feel like it could happen organically though. It did probably. Uh, it's, yeah. It's just wild. Like, yeah. The, yeah. The, and, and the Navajos have the, like I stayed on the Navajo reservation with a, like a family who, uh, who kind of gave me all the legend and, and lore behind it. And that made it feel even more real, you know, and, and just, Oh, this is so awe inspiring. All of this stuff is just beautiful and, and, and given to us by like something that we can't possibly, whether that be nature or God or whatever you believe in, like exactly gorgeous, gorgeous. I, I love that kind of stuff. I yeah. live for it. Yeah. So actually, then there are many places like that in Europe also. I mean, stuff that mm-hmm. I actually really like. It's actually more like a simple pleasure, but I just can't get enough of looking at the ocean and to like, you know, places with like good wave breaks. I mean, I can't get enough of that stuff. So I'm from uh, Mobile, Alabama, and there is nothing bigger in Alabama than college football. Um and college football in Alabama centers around the University of Alabama, which their motto is Crimson Tide. That they are the Alabama Crimson Tide. And so when I play your game and you mentioned the city of Crimson Tide, which I know is a totally different thing, all I can see is like roll tide, baby. Like that's uh that's a very deeply even though I'm not, I, I could give a fuck about football. Like I don't care anything about football. When I see, you know, I saw a guy in the grocery store earlier today. He's wearing an Alabama college hat, and I'm just like, "Roll Tide, man!" And he's like, "Roll Tide!" Like that's a big <laughs> thing. It's a very, very deeply in cut. Like that, that's like saying, "Like, hey, man, I'm with you. Have a good day." You know, we're the same tribe, yeah. kind of thing. Yeah, um, I know. But where I'm, does it come from in your game? Uh, well, actually, it comes from the Third World War, but I'll just digress for a small sec because actually American football tried to catch on in Poland. And I remember being at the largest stadium for a preview game between the Polish team and the American team. It was one of the most bizarre experiences I've had in my life because the American crowd would be like really into it, really cheering, whereas the Polish crowd didn't know, didn't have absolutely a clue as to what was going on. They would be just like, you know, we lost like really, really bad. And uh, yeah, but it was just, <laughs> you can see that like the diff- cultural difference over here. Yeah. But going back to the game, the, uh, the name comes from Crimson Tide because the game takes place after the Third World War. And uh, so uh, 
The Crimson Tide um, is the first is Europe's first mega city. So it is uh, built on the foundations uh, of the city, Polish city called uh, Wrocław, and it's on the near the border between of, Ger- of ex Germany and Poland's border. It is a free city, so something like Danzig, Gdańsk was before the Second World War. So it was supposed Glenn to be Danzig. Uh, Singer well, of the Misfits? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Well, dance, yeah, the city. The, actually, I really recommend if you come to Poland, definitely you have to see Gdańsk. Uh, the, the German name is Danzig. Uh, you re- it's an, a beautiful, beautiful city. And uh, so uh, it's uh, the name comes from the uh, Crimson Tide, comes from, you know, uh, the bodies, all the people that sacrifice their lives. And uh, so built on those foundations, this was supposed to be the free city, free from influences from the West and East, like we have right now between, you know, left wing, right wing and uh, all that stuff. But all that is only true in theory. So the the city was supposed to be free from influence of uh, the ex-European Union nations and from the new forming of a Russian federation. And uh, it was supposed to be at the pinnacle of uh, human evolution and technology, where technology... Governing parties are economical, but not political. But as we know, as history teaches us, this is only true in theory, and there are largest things at play. And one of the endings in Project Downfall will reveal the tip of the iceberg of that. Project Downfall itself, um, just the demo so far, or I should say the early access so far, really illustrates this sort of dystopian view of what that could mean and uh without giving too much away i I don't want to like totally spoil the game for our viewers but it's extremely i won't i won't even say totalitarian i will just say organized to a point where it's inconvenient for the average citizen necessarily to traverse from point to point and that's a big kind of uh part of what makes the uh, the story of the game play out for the character, I'll, I'll say. Yeah, that's true. Um, well, a few things. Well, growing up in Poland, uh, well, we were under you know, the Iron Curtain, so we actually had socialism. So I have kind of an idea and remember how it was back then. Uh, that's one thing. Another thing, uh, some of the books I, uh, I went through during uh, like Franz Kafka's process, I'm not sure if I'm translating the, uh, the title correctly, uh, but his uh, the most popular one uh, by Franz Kafka it is exactly about a totalitarian regime where a guy is controlled all the time. <clears throat> Sorry, as I mentioned, my voices sometimes get a bit cranked up after surgery. Um, so uh, yeah, so this is out of life experience and uh, you know inspirations from books and movies. It's it's very much a uh, a powerful part of the story though and and that is it's not just um maybe i'm looking at it from an american perspective you know and i'm not saying we're like free but like Mm -hmm. we're certainly used to a a a lack of this sort of thing Uh, and not only those who like educate themselves by like reading books and you know Mm -hmm. learning history and everything can really possibly understand what you know what you said you went through um, under a, 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 social, a socialist regime, the the game itself really goes the extra mile to show you what it means to have like so, something as simple as like your car parking. Like, hey, 
uh, you parked your car here, and that's cool, but we, we have a city shut down until like 24 hours from now, so you'll just have to wait. You know, yeah, no big deal. You know, you're just doing you're doing your country its uh, its service by uh, waiting, and and then you're, you're trapped in this level, that kind of thing. And and I'm not trying to make a political statement by saying that. I'm just like that, that's the story you're telling, and it's uh, it's 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 very fucking irritating, uh, especially for you know people like in my part of the world. They're just like yeah, I just. Fucking drive home, man. No problem there, and 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 you're in this situation where you're just like, all right, well, I just gotta like hang out here for a while while all the gangs and shit show up and like see what happens. Yeah, and that's the level. Yeah, well, you do have some kind of freedom that you can't go that that route uh, at your own risk. Mm -hmm. Uh, But yeah, exactly. It's just like the big brother is watching and they're trying to take care of you. Uh, Actually, we're having something like this in Poland right now. Uh, Supposedly, the government uh, currently... Yeah, I also prefer to not get into political discussions, but I'm trying to be as objective as I can here. Uh, We have a right-wing government which is just trying to think for the individuals, think for them and do everything for them, you know, know, just handouts and all that kind of stuff. Uh, So uh, it kind of reminds me of the time of the 80s in in Poland. I mean, I actually didn't go through the worst time because the worst time was obviously post-World War when it was Stalinism. Uh, but my parents also had it, remember, way worse times. But so uh, the socialist times I remember, well, yeah, it was uh, was completely different like we have right now. There was no freedom of speech. Uh, There was crazy censorship. uh, And so that was also brought into the game somehow, you know, in some way. Uh, But... uh, it's uh, so in the game. It was also it's, it's kind of related to how I fear our future, where our future is headed. So um, I'm sometimes worried when I'm looking at you know all these p- political fights from the left and right that people just can't get. They're going to disagree like two tribes. They're going to disagree no matter what, and they just can't meet a consensus and just reach a constructive point and go forward. And I fear that without this, we're just going to have. All these parties are just going to force their, you know, their political views and uh, cancelling and all that stuff. It's uh, it's it's strange because we're we're all in this thing together right now. Like uh, especially the last year or so, like I feel like people yeah. feel far more like globally connected. Um, just, just in terms of like, we all have one thing that we're all afraid of. Um, but Poland specifically has a uh, a much longer and darker, to be perfectly explicit about it, historical issue with totalitarianism, right? Like, I, I, we don't have to go too far into it, but like, I, I recently just got to listen to the Martyr Made fo- podcast about how. The Soviet Union, you know, kind of treated that that part of the world, especially after World War II, and uh, it ain't pretty, you know. It, it it makes me kind of appreciate where I came from to some extent. Um, when I talk to a lot of game devs, not just you, but uh, like people like Zan or people like uh, any anybody from any country in in the eastern you know what we would call eastern europe at this point Mm -hmm. 
who dealt with that kind of shit. And it, you know, you're, you're talking about your parents, right? You, you said my parents had it far worse than I did. Of course they did. No, no disagreement about that. There was a lot of injustice. There's a lot of uh, inexplicable horror <laughs> that really went on in the world. And uh, I, first and foremost, like, holy shit, sorry you had to deal with that. Sorry your folks had to deal with that. It's not that, not that it's my fault, but like, wow. But um, it, it definitely informs a, uh, a worldview that is inexplicable to people in my part of the world. Cause uh, you know we we lived in the post World War II era of like this is the most booming our economy has ever been and ever will be <laughs> from from the modern perspective, and as you uh, as the rest of the world was celebrating this victory over over the Third Reich and over the you know Japanese imperialism and everything, uh, it seems like that part of the world was just continually yeah. dealing with more and more and more and more. And more and more and more and more and more and more bullshit forever yeah, <laughs> until the Soviet Union fell. Uh, and, oh. and that was around my birth year. I was born in 95, so I have no perspective on this stuff other than just what I've read. But yeah. what's your take? Yeah, it's, of course, it's, um, yeah, it's like political all the time because uh, this was something that I re- will never forget uh, in primary school that um, – uh, because we had a change of systems in around in 1987 in 1987 or 89 mm-hmm. so we went from socialism to capitalism and that was something really shocking to me because the history books always said that russians are the like the best friends poland's best friend everything is the best that russian is the best and so that's why i'm really cautious right now when somebody is saying that you know a certain group is the best and you can't say anything negative about them i just remember those times in poland it doesn't lead to you know, being more open-minded, it leads to actually something more negative that you're holding your resentment inside you instead of saying what you really think. So suddenly it turned... Or, they, or you're confused about what you really think, right? Maybe you know, like, and, because and, you didn't, you know, if this happened yeah, in school, you're yeah, getting but, mixed uh, messages. Yeah, and I'm just actually getting to the point. They changed yeah. our history I'm sorry, book. I didn't mean to cut it off. Yeah, yeah, so they changed our history book yeah. when we just started learning about the Second World War. So that officially, uh, let's say... One week we're learning that, you know, the evil Germans invaded Poland and, you know, the, the and Russians helped Poland. Then ne- the system changed, the political system changed, and we suddenly had our history books changed. And uh, so, and then said, okay, uh, children, now let's go back 20, 30 pages. And like, okay, so now we have to reiterate what we, what we le- just learned two weeks ago. So it wasn't that just Germany invaded Poland. The Russians also invaded Poland. And the whole classroom was like, what the fuck? Like, why did you lie to us? Like, you know, uh, it was just like, uh, you know, you just learned that you will lie to your whole life in a certain in a certain aspect. And uh, so this was just, uh, you know, it just was like a wake up moment. Um, And it was actually a really rude awakening because you learned that. uh, It's not like, you know, things that you were taught to believe what is true. It wasn't. And. so and everything uh, really changed after that. Uh, so that the change of the system, and uh, yeah, uh, yeah, I got a bit like rest over here. Um, uh, no, so. I, I really appreciate how candid you're being about it. This is not normal. Like most most folks are like, yeah, I'll shy away from that. You know, like, yeah. it, this is this is good. This is good stuff. Yeah, yeah, but it, it was. 
deeply, deeply curious about it. Not just what my opinion is, but what your opinion is, especially since you lived through part of it. Yeah, I mean, well, obviously, when you look back, you could see certain things that were working better. But overall, yeah. uh, it it was a really crappy time because uh, there was no money. And, you know, Poland really got the short end of the stick after the Second World War because, you know, despite being invaded by both Germany and Russia, uh, we suddenly got under Russian, you know, despite Winston Churchill fighting for Poland to be under the Western Bloc, we got pushed under the Eastern Bloc, so under the people who actually invaded us and uh, were definitely not seen as our saviors. So that's actually the really sad part about the Warsaw Uprising. So this is like a really tragic story. Uh, so the city was like like equal to the ground by, with, by Hitler's orders. and But this was really tragic because this was also a political uh, uh, power struggle because the, the Polish generals, they wanted to liberate Warsaw because, you know, Germany was retreating and Russians were pushing onward. So, but they didn't want to be liberated by Russians. So they went to liberate themselves. So, which was kind of suicidal because Russians had the army, Polish only had, you know, civilians who were doing the uprising. So obviously they had no chance. And a lot of civilians lost their lives, which is a really tragic story. So the city was just completely destroyed. A lot of civilians died, you know, with a power play by, played by generals who didn't want to also to be liberated by, uh, you know, this, the peoples, by the uh, Poles in the Russian army. So it was a, we had a really tragic story over here. And in the end, we got the short end of the stick. So... Actually, the uh, Poland like uh, just forfeited their, uh, you know, their war repair uh, costs. But it wasn't a Polish government; it was a Stalinist government back then. It was a puppet government, so they just said to Germany, "Like, uh, okay, yeah, we don't want any money from you. It's all good. Peace and love." Can I can I indulge you for a, a few moments here? I'm going to tell you a really sick joke. I'm warning everyone ahead of time. It's a sick joke. No but worries, man. I just want to see if you laugh at it. And if you, if you don't laugh at it, then I'll just cut it. No worries, dude. All right. This was told to me uh, from another historian of American history. Let's put it that way. And they said, uh, as quote, a Polish man uh, is, is wandering through the countryside and he finds a uh, a lamp and it's a genie and the genie comes out and he says like uh what do you want you know like i owe you three wishes and he's like oh shit three wishes sweet and he says well hey what do you want um polish guy says i wish for china to invade poland wow <laughs> and the genie genie's like Okay, whatever. And then there's bombs and there's destruction and horrible things happen, obviously. And then it's over. And uh, he comes out and he says, like, uh, all right, cool. That's done. Genie, what's up next? And the genie's like, uh, well, what, what's your second wish? And he says, I want China to invade Poland again. <laughs> and he's like, uh, uh, fuck, okay. <laughs> <laughs> and then the whole thing happens over again. There's bombs. There's there's fucking fire in the sky. There's destruction. All this kind of stuff. And he's like, "All right, well, we're done with that. What do you want the third time?" And he says, 
I want China to invade Poland again. And the genie's like, all right, listen, motherfucker, what, what is your problem? <laughs> yeah. Like what, why do, what is your problem with Poland? Like you love Poland, right? And he's like, Oh, I love Poland more than anything. This is my country. This is my, like, this is my world. This is like everything to me. This is my country and I love it so much. And he's like, well, then why do you keep asking for China to invade your fucking country? And he says, because they had to come through Russia to get here. Oh, shit. <laughs> yeah. Oh, yeah, that's, <laughs> that's, one. that's a good one. That's a terrible joke to me. I, yeah. I don't know how, but, but the fact that you laugh at it validates me. I'm, no, I'm not crazy yeah, yeah. thinking this is funny. <laughs> no, but um, uh, well, actually, but you know, there's a saying, Russia is not a country, it's a state of mind, right? So uh, actually, you will see the difference in Poland between Western Europe. And so people tend to say that, you know, Europe is Europe. No, actually, it's so different. Russians are so different. Russians are different from Polish people. Polish people are different from Germans. Of course, uh, it's this mm-hmm. is generalizing, but this is true. Uh, there are certain differences between and russians are like completely different uh, even ukraine uh, when i was like hanging out with a really cool bloke also from the game dev world uh, who actually made a pretty big game alexi in amsterdam we had i was also a cultural yeah. shock because they are just like uh, so different also in the united states something that because polish people are more like rigid and more like you know to keep a distance and like once you befriend them yeah. they're then way more open but the thing i really liked about california or also I've met this, had this in Brazil, like people are so open. I would be sitting on a beach. Somebody would just come up to me and I'd go, Hey man, how are you do? How's it going? And, you know, just start chatting. Like, you know, uh, I didn't have this in Boston or New York. Uh, people were more like similar to Poland over there, but in California, in the warmer States, they were like really more open. I think obviously just based on what you just said, like the, the experience is different state to state, city to city sort of thing. Um, I, America is, a, is an essentially a country founded not on a, a nationality or a, um, an ideology based on our race or our heritage. It is based on simply and just we are America. We have a set value system that we agree upon. Do as thou wilt. Yeah. Um and, and that's not me praising America. Don't get me wrong. We have we have our faults just like everybody else. Does. Exactly. But it's a it's a different um way of viewing what we are as a nation than cer- certain other countries. So, you know, like if you go to uh I don't know, Ireland, like I have ancestors ancestors in Ireland and and we're like uh, you know, like we what bonds us? Well, we're Irish. Okay, cool. You go to America, and and I mean, like, especially the Western states is is that's kind of what you were iterating there before. What do we share in common? Or well, American? True. And what does that mean? Well, we believe in X, Y, and Z values, like you know, freedom of speech, for, you know, se- you know, Second Amendment, for, uh, and on and so forth. But it's important what you said about you know New York. Um, New York kind of views itself as like, uh, we're, well, we're New Yorkers. We, yeah. that's, the, that's their nationality. Yeah. That's, it's not really this, like we're American, we're, we're nationality. And, and that's just the thing that's part of the flaw, the fatal flaw in the American system is that we are like, 
we're the United States of America, so we like yeah, people each are- state has its own different law set, its own different I- ideology, and we all battle over that. It's it's the same thing. Yeah, yeah, but it's it has some good things. Of it. I remember also we met some uh, the day I learned that I'm going to with Project Downfall to Pax East. Um, uh, met uh, we went on a boat trip and uh, we met these girls mm-hmm. from Boston. So, oh, well, obviously we started talking that I'm going to go to Boston for the first time in my life, and they and the, one of the first things they said, okay, wh- whatever you do, don't go to New York. And I'm like, why? Since I'm so close, I well, obviously, I would like to see the like, you know, Manhattan. I always wanted to see it. I'm like, no, it's not worth it. Boston is way better. So, well, that's what they said because they were from Boston. So, yeah, but I really liked Boston. Besides the fact that I was woke up in the middle of the night by a shooting outside the place where I was staying. Yeah, that, luckily, that's one of the downsides of the states. We don't have that much of this in the you know back here. I was talking about that with people like uh, earlier today. It's like, uh, well, you know, in my, you know, what's the worst thing that ever happened in your school? Well, you know, we we would have like people that would uh, come to our school and say that you were being bad or whatever. I'm like, okay, my my school, it was like, you know, there were guns brought to school, there were drugs, that, you know, and it was like the police would come to school with dogs. And smell us out for drugs and and or whatever, and you know we're. I don't. I really don't want to get too in depth with this, but like, our our amendments guarantee us the right to like not have search without seizure. This is the Fourth Amendment of the United States Constitution, mm-hmm. and and yet because you're on government property, then they have the right to just do that. So there were lots of times in, in, in school that I remember where it was just like, what, lockdown? Okay, what for? Is there a gun on? And the obvious example was like, there's guns on campus. Somebody brought a gun. Hmm. No, it was like somebody brought drugs, which would usually be uh, marijuana or something like that. Jesus. It's just like, you know, and yeah. then it's just like we shut down school because there's dogs uh, here to sniff us out for drugs. Damn, dude! For uh, for four hours, you know, it's it just insane. Yeah, uh, that's, but that, that's what I grew up with. Yeah, but speaking of uh, Potman, I was like really surprised about uh, Boston. I never knew that it's so liberal in that case, even way more mm-hmm. than Amsterdam. Because one of the first things I saw was this guy puffing a really fat joint in the middle of the street. And I'm like, wow, even in Amsterdam, people don't do this kind of stuff. I'm like, damn. <laughs> but how does all this relate to Project Downfall? Well, we've, drugs, we've gotten into drugs. like a 40 minute discussion now about about the yeah. uh, different cultural differences the and all different that world perspectives. Yeah, but well, this well, I mean, it, it matters that yeah, this is it, part of what you are trying game. to convey here. Well, also drugs, drugs, because that that's one of the things about the game. Just because something is legal does not mean it is good for you. Uh, if you look at Polish laws, for example, <laughs> uh, pregnant women were given amphetamines in the 80s in Poland because, you know, uh, in 120, uh, 100 or 200 years ago, people would take morphine for headaches. So, and in Project Downfall, you are supposed to take the pills, your prescribed pills, to be the most efficient worker possible. 
So, but then obviously you start using them for, you know, for, en- for encounters, you know, so you can use uh, uh, later on in the games, you will have different pills. For example, there's a blue collar pill, <laughs> uh, for example, which is good for melee combat, something like the Berserker in Doom. So yeah, that's how we can tie in. Mm-hmm. And j- just so I just want to just like, you know, uh, fix some, something, uh, just put something out there. Uh, just because we're, we have this difficult history with Russia and all that, and the, the, a lot of the enemies in the game are actually Russians. It's not like Russian, I have anything against Russia. It's just like uh, political fiction. No. Uh, yeah. I, I have a turn to, to tendency, I judge people by their actions, not anything else, like the song from NoFX. Go ahead and label me an asshole because I can accept responsibility for what I've done, but not for who I am. Any, anybody who has a uh, trouble with anybody who plays Quake, which is the Russians, are the best at it. Well, well I'll actually deviate and say the Swedes are the best at Quake. But anybody who has a problem with like the Russian people, that's a totally different thing yeah. than the Russian government. Exactly. That's For You sure. hit the nail on the head with that. Exactly. Yeah. Um, I mean, there's people all over all over the world, regardless of their, of their nationality, of their point of view, based on. I don't even care what your political views are. Yeah, who are tremendous human beings who exactly. I can get along with perfectly fine with. Uh, it, it, just the the whole idea of like nationalism or like I don't think that we're attacking your you or your country based on your nationality it's just simply like yeah it's just like uh, you know you can have a lot of friends from china but obviously the two governments do not get along yeah i don't have a problem with that i don't see the problem yeah it's something like you know parents there was that movie by polanski with the two uh you know um rosemary's baby exactly that was a yeah. good one. That was a good one. It's like, uh, so, it, can you can you give us um, a summarization of Rosemary's Baby that would like relate to what you're talking about, or should oh, well, I? Um, well, as you prefer. You can go on ahead. As you can tell, I've had a few drinks, but I'll try. Um, Rosemary's Baby is. I, I won't even. I won't even try to like make the case that it was a political film because I really don't think Roman Polanski meant for it to be a political film. But it's such an easily analogous, um, story that it makes sense in many different contexts. So you have the. <sighs> you have the idea that Rosemary is pregnant with a child that is destined to be the child of Satan, which is what she, it, it, it spoiler alert for anybody who hasn't seen the film. Rosemary's baby is the child of Satan. Sorry. You just, Dang, you, you just, just got fucked. You got fucked. Um, I said, spoiler <laughs> alert beforehand. Um, if you haven't seen it already, go back and watch it. It's still worth watching, even with the spoiler attached. Definitely. To it. 
but the whole movie really illustrates her struggle with the state or, and I shouldn't even say the state, but like her group, her commune commune. Exactly. Yes. Her people that she trusts to tell her what to do with her child and with her situation. They, they really push her to do it in a certain way because that's what's best for everyone. And, uh, it don't work out. It don't work out yeah. great for her. Exactly. So <laughs> yeah, somebody tries to control you too much, you you freak out. And so actually, there's a really good movie by Aron, I think it was Aronofsky, uh, Mother. It's actually kind of similar. Oh yeah, Aronofsky, dude. We could we could do a whole another podcast on what yeah. we think about movies. Like oh. for real, I I've been debating about this for a long time because this is like the video game podcast. Yeah, but we're we digressing. We should probably do a movie. Yeah, we're yeah. digressing quite a bit. It's okay. That's that's what the show's all about. Is yeah, freestyling, bullshit. Yeah. So yeah, but speaking of movies, actually, uh, one of the strongest influences for Project Downfall, uh, going back to the game, uh, is uh, a Russian movie called Hardcore Henry. I thought you were going to say hard boiled. Oh yeah, hard boiled. Obviously, hard boiled. Obviously, yeah. uh, I mean, I love old kung fu, like uh, like you know John Woo, Hong Kong cinema. But uh, one of the strongest influences was obviously, well, looking by the main character, was John Wick. Uh, the first part, especially second part and third part, not so much, uh, besides aesthetics. And but God, hard- damn, we agree, we agree too much. <laughs> I did not like part three of. Yeah, they made a comedy out of that, and it, it was just. It, I mean, I did not in the law. It's like over the I'm seven hills. Me. Yeah, over the seven hills and over the seven mountains lives a magical creature. That was the story of John Wick three. The third first part you could relate to. He was a guy who lost his dog, and he was like on a murder spree. You know, vengeance. And fun fact: mm-hmm. there's a really funny translation when he uh, again spoiler alert when he kills one of the you know when he kills Tyrion. Oh, not Tyrion. Uh, what was his name? Uh, you know, uh, Alfie Allen. So uh, when he kill, goes kill him, uh, so he says in Russian, What this means, actually, it was translated, but the subtitles say it was just a dog. Yeah, truth. Uh, but what he really said, means go fuck yourself. <laughs> so the translation was completely wrong there but yeah one of the major inspirations especially with the weapon point of view because it was so cool was the Ilya Naishola uh, hardcore Henry I just love the way the, the way the way he was, the weapons were held in that movie was maybe not very practical but it just looked so damn cool it's interesting that hardcore Henry is a super um, big. I. That's the worst word I could think of. An influential part of of what you're trying to create because how how so? It's it's a movie that's created. Uh, it was is very very lightly, very very subtly advertised, at least in my circles. Hmm. Um. It's for, I know what it is. It's a first-person shooter. Uh, yeah, it's like you know, uh, it's an amalgamation of uh, so many first-person uh, shooters made into a movie. Like you could see inspirations by Call of Duty: Modern Warfare, the sniper scene. Uh, you could see like 
and but just the style and the way it is made. For example, the first time I saw this movie was with my girlfriend. And yeah, she actually hated it. Uh, she really hated this movie. And we didn't we even watch it through the first time. So then when she went to work, because I work from home, so I just put it on in the background and I just stopped working. And I was like, holy shit, this is like so freaking amazing. This is a trip. Like there's a freeway scene with a minigun. The minigun in the Project Downfall is inspired by the one from Hardcore Henry. That scene, the way it is filmed in one well, of course, it is not made in one shot. There's some tr- tricks that smoke and mirrors done over there. But holy shit, is th- that is pretty damn good. You can look it up on YouTube, the hardcore Henry uh, freeway scene. Amazing. Like, it's really, truly incredible that that particular film, at, when was that even published? Uh, well, uh, you mean published as in the movie? Yeah, when, when did you see it? Uh, well, actually, uh, I saw it wait, uh, around three or four years ago. Around four years ago. Yeah, I just remember and we just... Yeah. yeah, yeah, I just went to... Uh, uh, because uh, I wasn't... Uh, me and my girlfriend, we weren't actually officially a couple then. She was just renting a, a you know, room in my place. And uh, so we just went to this, you know, supermarket. And so, oh, John Wick on DVD and Hardcore Henry. Okay, let's, let's, uh, let's watch it this evening. Yeah, and uh, after like 20 minutes of hardcore Henry said, okay, turn this off. I can't stand this. <laughs> that's, that, that's crazy. It's a, it's a very different film. And not for, not for the genre that we're talking about, because obviously, like, Realms Deep, okay. We, we're talking about first-person shooters. We're talking about things that are influenced uh, by what probably that film was also influenced by, but it, it's such an underground film. Yeah, that's true. It's, it's such a weird thing to like base a game on. Well, another thing, it's also Slavic, because, you know, I'm Slavic. Uh, so you could just, to, you know, you just can relate to some stuff. For example, the thugs, uh, whether he, uh, you know, headbutts in the park when he takes their clothes. Uh, it's just it's it's a Slavic thing. We got this thing in Poland also. Like the base basic thug in uh, Project Downfall is what we would call a dreszasz. A dreszasz is like this kind of typical Polish thug. It was avid in the nineties, dressed in a added as tracksuit, and. Uh, so, for example, whenever I would be walking uh, in the evenings, evening hours late or late night hours, and I would, because I would have semi-long hair or long hair like right now, and I would hear in Polish, which would translate to, what the fuck are you looking at, hippie? Uh, I would just pretend, okay, I didn't hear that. I'm just walking. Yeah, because otherwise these dreszarze, they, they are always, you know, holding, you know, tough in groups, and they're just looking for a reason to kick the shit out of someone. And that there's huh. a scene in Hardcore Henry which is actually shows those kind of people. So, yeah, this has got got that Slavic flavor. So, like, with Project Downfall, how much are you leaning on your uh, your community to uh, really give you like feedback and like uh, like what what's the day to day crunch for this game? Right. So in terms of community, this, this is one of the most important things. Uh, well, the game is in early access. And uh, well, my previous games were released without early access, which was a mixed bag because we had beta tests. And then when the game was released, uh, it turns out that, you know, uh, the feedback was mixed. Certain things that came out during beta tests didn't, 
didn't meet their you know fulfillment. So with this time, we decided to go with early access. It was a bitter pill to swallow because the beginning was really rough. But you know, thanks to the feedback of the community, we had a, a you know there's a strong idea what the game is supposed to be. So without you know changing the foundations, we just tweaked the game and refined it to be much better and improve it much more. So we're listening to constructive criticism, taking it in, and you know, obviously there will be uh, some people are just complaining that the game is too hard and stuff like that. But if it isn't even in the description, it will be like you know people complaining that you are killing demons in Doom. So, uh, but if there's some valid criticism that you know something is bugged or uh, something is broken and or unbalanced, then obviously we are going to address that. Um, well, as for the crunch, yeah, this one is pretty brutal. This is the most intense job I've ever had, um, but at the same time, the most fun I've ever had. So, but the crunch can be really brutal. Wait, I mean, yeah, yeah. I was going to say you're happy to do it because it's yours. Yeah, and it's you look at it differently. Where you don't look at some, if you have the mindset that uh, you don't look at your job as a job but as your hobby. Uh, yeah, I mean, like two months ago, I had crunch twenty hour crunch sessions. So yeah, it was really brutal. Uh, I was working on New Year's Eve and Christmas Eve on, on holidays. Uh, yeah, so my, my girlfriend is a saint that she's putting up with this. Uh, so uh, it's it's uh, uh, the crunch session for Project Downfall is uh, really intense, but at the same time, it's really rewarding seeing how the game is growing. How do you uh, deal with that? Like, you know, your girlfriend, your life, your everything with the crunch of just being in, in a total indie dev. Like, how do you justify the time that you put into it and, and the, the passion, everything? Uh, well, it's like, you know, you just uh, you have to look at it in the long term and, you know, organize your time. So. Uh, actually, we're pretty blessed in the terms that we don't live in the city center. We live in the suburbs of Warsaw. So as you can see behind me, I'm like, I live in the forest. So we didn't feel COVID that much, hit COVID that much. So we were free to, you know, we, did, we couldn't leave our uh, people in the city center. They couldn't leave their homes. They would have lockdown and all that. So but we could, I would organize my time that, you know, I would crunch for like five, six hours. Then I would do a half hour break. We would walk with, go for a walk with our dog. And uh, sadly, we wouldn't spend as much time together as we would want to. But uh, she understands that. And uh, so she understands that if I don't finish the game, it will be just like giving up, you know, before the finish line. So, you know, sometimes you have to sacrifice, uh, you know, to get to achieve something, you have to sacrifice certain aspects. So we're looking at this in the long run. That's, uh, That's a wonderful relationship to have. Some people really struggle with that, you know. Like they, they're like, ah, oh, my, my partner doesn't really get what I'm putting into this, or the the amount of hours that are, is required, and, and it, of course, that's different for every single person who tries to put their heart and soul into a game. Um, and it may even be more difficult. I've never really considered this, but for people who are working on a game that isn't their vision. Right, like so, if you're working for a AAA company, exactly, and it's like, well, I got to go put 48 hours into uh, Fallout, or uh, you know, oh, Cyberpunk uh, 2077, whatever, you know, it doesn't matter what it is. It's like, how do you really explain that to someone? I, I struggle. I, I I've yet to have the chance to really like dig into that with someone, but for something that is your 
own vision, it's got to be, I wouldn't say easier, but you, because you what don't have is, a reference, yeah. you know. Go ahead. Yeah, if you have a point on it. Yes, sorry for that interruption, but it is actually easier because when you are doing something for someone, you are uh, it's you are looking at it's that's what I said about the mindset. You're looking at it more like you know doing you're looking at it as a job then. But if you're doing something that is your own vision, it's more like you're like li- you're like living the dream. You're doing something that you wanted to do for a long time. So it's more like yeah. it's. Uh, it's not like putting it. It's it's even even been scientifically proven that when you have to do something, you know, forced to do something, you are less effective. You are less efficient. So, but when you want to do something, like I don't know, let's say you want to go surfing, right? It's, you don't look at it as a chore. It's like you can't wait to do it because you really want to do it. And uh, so, yeah. and same with this project downfall. I've been wanting to do this game. I have actually had the rough co- uh, concept for this game ever since high school. So that's been for a really long time. And uh, so now, now was the time How to do it. How long has that been? Oh, dude, <laughs> wait, around twenty years. So that's one of the reasons you got that retro vibe, probably in there, because at the time, you know, Doom showed up and all that. I had a rough, you know, concept for the game and rough draft for it back then. But obviously, I was not into game. I yeah. never, th- I never thought I would make game dev. I just had a lot of, you know, ideas written down, and yeah. Well, finally came the day to actually, you know, put them into, you know, uh, put them into action. Uh, actually, the game was supposed to start off as a, a VR, you know, as a VR game. But yeah, that would not work out simply because we have no budget. But you're putting out the game anyway, and. Uh... I mean that's a difficult. That's a that's a very difficult, like uh, point, to make is that. Even though you have no budget, even though you have no support, perhaps from uh, other other outside entities, you're doing it regardless, and uh, I mean that's the theme of the whole show. Yeah, dude. Uh, well, that's the thing. Hopefully you get there, and and if you don't, I th- I feel like just knowing you and knowing uh, and from the little bit of time we spent together, and also from playing the game, like it would be a travesty for you to not f- fully publish this game. Probably yeah. end up making pretty 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 good money. Yep. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Then we we can be drinking tequilas. I'll invite you for a tequila. I don't know. So you know, some somewhere. Yeah, of course. I'll, I'll be in, uh, you know, I'll be, I'll be in Denmark for Rob's Deep if you. Oh, would, nice. Would love to. Yeah, yeah. Actually, actually, speaking of which, um, I was actually supposed to. Uh, we actually were talking about this with my girlfriend yesterday, that I could have taken a way more easier, safer route, walking as you know, as a corporate, uh, you know, a corporation, just doing, just doing in the work, having way more money, uh, because actually my first internship was in Denmark. Uh, it was at mm-hmm. a, at a corporate, one of the largest Danish corporations. It was uh, then called Novo Nordisk. Now it is called Novozymes. It is, I think, it's one of the largest corporations uh, in De- in Denmark. Uh, so, and but right back then, when I had that internship, I thought, "What the hell am I doing here?" Uh, okay, the money was awesome. I put in. I was barely doing. I was doing de- barely doing any work. It was, but I just 
you know, it didn't click. But here it's just like uh, here, with game dev, it's more like feeling a, being a fish in water. You know, it's uh, you, it's just you just <laughs> it's you just see so many options and so many things that you put. I, the only thing I just wish that the hour, the day lasted longer than twenty four hours because, yeah, it's just uh, it's it's the, it's not the best paid job I had, but it is the most rewarding job I've had and the most fun job I've had. And yeah, but it is definitely risky because uh, I'm. Uh, it's like you know, the really having a sole proprietorship in Poland is really rough, especially due to taxes. So, for example, this month. I'm going to be like on a minus on a deficit because the social security is really, really, it's mandatory every month over here, not to mention taxes. So despite my, despite the game's income, I'm losing every, I'm not having anything this month because, uh, yeah, I have mandatory taxes that I have to pay and social security. Yeah, this. So that's one of the reasons. Uh, yeah, well, we will see how this goes because uh, having a sole prototype, uh, you know, company in Poland is so really rough in this regard. It's interesting because in, in America, it would be viewed the same way. It would just be from a different scale, right? Like, so we would have uh, probably, probably a net benefit, you know, only because taxes are depending on the state, uh, very low. I mean, Probably, probably Cal- we talked about California in the very beginning of this podcast. We would say like, oh, their taxes are so outrageous. And they would have no comparison to what you're talking about. Oh, yeah. Um, well, but but it, it's, a, it's a very different um, expectation of outcome from what those taxes mean. Yeah, I, I think I know what you mean because actually, when we talked about you know California at the beginning, um, yeah, a lot of the people I met in California during my stay, they mentioned what you said that they love California, but the taxes are outrageous, and especially in San Francisco, and you know the uh, the taxes suppose uh, yeah because of the tech companies moving there that the taxes got like uh, went up really really bad. So well, in this case, is Poland is. It's completely different in Poland because Poland is still has is relatively cheap compared, to, for example, to Western Europe. But uh, having a company here is actually more expensive in many cases than Western Europe, which is a paradox because the average salary in Poland is around four times lower than in Western Europe. So it's uh, it's uh, it's hard to relate to the United States because it's a completely different matter. Because in the United States, it would be a matter yeah. of the taxes of, like, for example, California, whereas in Poland, it is the matter of being on un- for so long under the influence uh, of the you know the Eastern Bloc, and now we're just you know getting back from that. So it will still take about I don't know ten twenty years before the average Polish salary is equal to the average Western Europe salary. Regardless, man, uh, Project Downfall is one of the coolest um, games that even remotely resembles kind of what we're talking about here. It, it is a beautiful game. It it graphically and gameplay wise sums up both the uh, the retro and the uh, it's really hard to call. I know you don't like the comparison, but like 
Hotline Miami, I, I really, I refuse to believe that you're not influenced by it. And you can illustrate that for yourself, but it's such a, uh, tremendous effort on a one man <laughs> scale that it's, it's hard to believe that it wouldn't be successful. It, it's, uh, it's gorgeous. It's, it's thanks, man. Yeah, I'm I'm struggling to find words here. I, I hope you can tell that from the way I'm speaking. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know how to put it into words how much I love what I've played of this game. Well, that's that's really nice and motivating yeah. to hear. And uh, yeah, obviously, there are no denying Hotline Miami is one of the strong inspirations of the game. Yeah. I mean, I love the hell out of that game. Uh, people didn't like the second part that much. But actually, I think the story and plot in second part was freaking cool, especially the ending. They're wrong. Hotline yeah. Miami 2 is the better Hotline Miami. Fuck yeah. you if you don't. Okay, okay. they can't kill you off screen. That was bullshit. But still, the ending, the ending was like that whole, what the hell, what the hell did just happen? And then you just put two and two together then like, oh, that is freaking good. That was freaking good. And uh yeah, Hotline Man was a crazy strong influence, just like you know John Wick and all that. And uh, uh, well, in terms of the graphical style, I mean, if you, I can even pull out you know drawings I was doing in high school, and they would have the style that I do now, not maybe pixel in this rough pixelated style, but um, if. The thing is, I was like, uh, to decide about the graphical style, it was like, if the game touches are like, you know, it took it about, you know, you're fighting with these like really disgusting, you know, really bad people, you know, like these, you know, you're fighting uh, you, later on in the game, you're fighting like these neo-Nazis, you know, bonehead skinheads, some Nigerian gangs, like uh, human traffickers, like really, really bad people. And uh, so to convey that, you know, that, you know, that dystopian feeling along with, you know, that grittiness, a clean cut graphics just wouldn't cut it. So I just went for that crusty, not pixel art, but like that pixelated look. To be honest, I'm kind of getting tired of it now because I've been doing it for so long every day. So I would actually prefer to do some nicer stuff. Um, uh, like, for example, the paintings yeah. you can see in the bedroom uh, of the main hero of the hero's apartment. But uh, yeah, if I wanted to convey the feeling, um, the game was like intentionally made to be somewhat ugly, but with that nice lighting and contrast. So um yeah, so but I have also already have a a pretty cool idea for a new project, a new game, uh, with a different visual style. It's going to be prettier, but still gritty. I'm looking forward to whatever you come up with. I can't imagine anybody uh, with the vision, especially considering how long you've been holding on to it for Project Downfall. Not coming out with something that was so totally epic for the future. It's it's uh, it's very difficult for me to even remotely consider not being awesome. Thanks, man. No, uh, so, but uh, so that's another thing I would like to clarify. It's uh, I mean, it's I'm just not comp- solo dev. I'm working with David, the pro- uh, programmer from Solid yeah. Nine Studios. So actually, we're a two man team. So he's doing all the major programming. Um, I did some small, sh- practically all the rest. <laughs> so it's not like I'm doing everything. Uh, I mean, I wouldn't have done uh, you know majority of the stuff. It wasn't for his help. 
And uh, for example, if we put so much work into the finishers that I just sent you over the beta recently. Um, mm -hmm. We're really, like I said, I'm really happy with this one because uh, we achieved an effect which is seldom found in any game. And uh, it last seen in, I think, Soldier Fortune 2, where you could like just you know shatter a head into small itsy bitsy pieces depending where you hit so same here like if you hit the a dude with a howitzer in the chest you will have a big gaping hole in exactly in that point you hit him with like an uzi you can just you know cut him up in swiss cheese and like with see-through holes so david uh really really put a really cool uh, uh he implemented a really cool method here and you can tell you can really feel the over influence of everything that you everything you said so far plus that you when you when you play the game and i hope that everyone out there who does tries it um everyone who's listening gives it a, gives it a go just that's all i'm asking of you at all is to just like give the game a go try it um feel feel what he's talking about feel what we've been talking about this whole time not only the the gameplay itself but like the historical influence the uh the real rawness of what this game brings to the table it's not just a hotline miami um i'm sorry for saying that no, no problems I'm no but i mean like it, it's more than that it's it's hotline miami if you could take a few hits before you die And and also with the first person uh, perspective, with a totally different view on like what a dystopian future can like really mean to someone who's never experienced one. Oh, nicely put. Yeah, I say that as an American. <laughs> nicely put, man. Yeah, that's another. And actually, yeah, actually, I guess it's a digression here because I was actually working as a teacher, English teacher, for a while, and uh, we had actually a lot of. Uh, Americans, uh, Americans working there also, obviously, mm -hmm. and uh, they also were like, whenever they came to Poland, they were always like, so always like, uh, really impressed, and they say that, oh, you can feel like the influence of. For me, it's normal, right? But for them, it was something totally new, and they would see like you, people would uh, really like uh, City 17 and Half Life 2 because they, you could have that socialist mm -hmm. vibe. So, so for those Americans working at the school, they would be like, wow, this, you know, the you can feel like this uh, socialist, like ex-communist vibe in Poland. It's like really cool for them, and we're like, yeah, well, you know, we, we don't feel it because it's we grew up with it. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. So same. We, we grew up with this idea that, that that's impossible, you know. Yeah, yeah, but it's the same. Us. Yeah, but it's also it's, I think it's the same thing with architecture and stuff like that. So I remember for the first time being in Amsterdam or Paris and being amazed by the architecture, and uh, you know the locals would be yeah, it's nice. Like yeah, they they for them it's like normal because they grew up with it, and for me it's just like wow, it's just like some yeah. something completely different from what I'm used to over here. Have you played Hrote? Oh, dude, I this is the one of the major downsides of game dev. I have such a crazy backlog. Well, there are a few games I I just yeah. you make exceptions to, like Sekiro, which is one of the few games I perfected, uh, you know, platinumed. But yeah, I really wanted to try Hrote. I wanted to try a Maximum Action. I wanted to try uh, that upcoming game, Severed Steel, and I really want to try Proteus. These are the games on my backlog that I really, really want to try out. Can we, excuse me, can we make a point to 
talk again after you've played Harut. Sure, dude. Uh, I, yeah, I've heard it has that ex-socialist vibe, that ex-communist vibe. It even you can see that from the screens. But yeah, I really want to check that one out. I I would love to do that, and I would love to talk to you. Period. After you know, after Realms Deep, after all the other stuff, after you've had some feedback on your game, I really think that we could uh, tackle this from a different angle. Maybe uh, with with you having some perspective on other people coming from the same place, not necessarily like the exact same place, but like politically, socially, and uh, morally, perhaps even from a similar standpoint that you're coming from. Because I don't know why 2021 has been the time for everyone to just like suddenly use their games to speak out uh, about their past, perhaps generational, perhaps it's uh, coincidence, or maybe but being locked up by COVID. Uh, Who the hell knows? Yeah, that, that might be part of it. That really might be part of it. Um, but but seeing the the way that you guys are all kind of talking about it all at one time, so many different great devs tackling a similar subject, but artistically coming at it from very different angles. You know, we have people who are making essentially quake cones. No, no, no dis- disrespect towards what they're doing there or, or, or whatever. It's just beautiful to see that there are so many wonderful developers um, tackling what seems to be a heartfelt and generational feeling from a perspective that is totally and completely subjective to their own personal outlook on what happened to them. And that's beautiful yeah. to me. Yeah, that's, that's actually really, that's a nice point. Well, actually, I was also really, like you could say, privileged, blessed, because uh, I was lucky enough to spend my childhood years in, in England. Um, so it was actually a cultural shock. So when we moved Couldn't back... Couldn't tell to, by your accent. Oh, cheers. Actually, it, it went to crap after, you know, after so many years living in Poland, it's changed a lot. But uh, I was really lucky enough to be bilingual thanks to this because my parents would be speaking to me in Polish and I, obviously I would be going to English school. So English would be actually my go-to language. Uh, but uh, came, coming back to Poland, that was a cultural shock because uh, no, people... No, really, if you were to tell me you were British, I would be like, yeah, all right. Yeah, just, yeah, <laughs> with a slightly weird accent. And... Uh, when I uh, came back to Poland, that was a cultural shock because not only was my uh, my Polish was far from perfect, and you know kids can be mean, and uh, I was different. I was the I was a guy from the you know the you know from behind the curtain. So, and I was uh, it was religion was kind of a really the big Iron thing. Curtain? Yeah, I, I came into the Iron Curtain, so I was the outsider, and. Uh, yeah, and uh, it was not a. It was a really. It wasn't actually very pleasant because um, those were the times when religion was playing a really big part in the Polish like opposition underground, the anti-communist movement. And uh, uh, my parents gave me a free choice. Uh, they just told me that I'm really appreciative of them for this. So you, when you grow up, you can decide for yourself if you want to be, you know, if you want to be of any faith or not. It's, it's your, you have to grow up and you decide for yourself. So when I came back to Poland, I was a, you could say I was a like you know 
kids don't understand this anyway but i was like an atheist and i was like the only like officially pointed out as the only guy who is not you know a non-believer in school and this gave me a really hard really rough time because uh, like i said in those I times it's beautiful yeah so those were the times when in poland um you know if you were no, you know, if you were not, uh, yeah, it's, yeah it's, it's hard to explain because it, if you were not like, you know, on siding with the uh, church or being officially like a Catholic, you would be probably seen as a communist. Uh, so, which is pretty absurd if looking from the perspective of a seven, six year old kid, I mean, he doesn't even understand what communism is. But yeah, I remember kids going around school and calling me a communist and they're like, what the hell? <laughs> I uh, childhood traumas. Coming I don't up. know how to relate to that. Yeah, I, I don't know how to put myself in the shoes that you might have been in, but I do know that your game is kick ass. Cheers, and man. If if nothing else, that your game will certainly make people think on a different level. Uh, at least in my experience, like I I really got the vibe from playing through the the short part of project downfall that i got to play through it made me totally reconsider where my uh where my thought process was you know it it made me like actually look at where i'm at what am i doing what's uh what are my privileges and uh what can i consider when i'm talking to other people about what they've what they've seen what they've been through what they've dealt with and uh, what it would be like to go through that. And your game perfectly conveys that. And I don't know if that was your agenda, but it's uh, it's certainly a big part of it. And I'm proud to be able to, like, you know, just spend an hour or uh, an hour and, what, 16, 16 minutes. 17 minutes, whatever. Yeah. Who gives a shit? You know, like... S- actually taking a moment to, like, consider what that means to uh, to another person who's dealt with more than I could ever imagine. Um, and, and I'm, I'm, I'm happy. I'm Matt, happier. And I feel like I'm a potentially better person for having done so. Uh, dude. I mean, so that's uh, like uh, really kind of you to say, I mean, I feel really, uh, I'm at a loss for words. Um, just, just mot- only I can say it's motivating that, you know, uh, the game le- left you with this impression. It's uh, that's yeah. really nice to say. I mean, uh, so it just motivates me to improve it further. So uh, that that's really awesome. Well, let's uh, let's you know for now for just for now take a pause, come back to it. Uh, you know, in a couple months once uh, people have gotten a chance to really see it, and uh, you know, when you get ready to do the next big update or whatever, you're always you're you are always welcome to come back on the show. Hopefully, we'll spend less Thanks, time man. talking about politics, and and we'll really like deep dive into what your message is. You know, like when you've had uh, time to develop it and and see where the game, how the game affects people, what what you want from it everything like there's there's so much to unpack here i feel like we've only just touched the tip of the iceberg right yeah i like this this is a special game 
Yeah, thanks, man. Because actually, uh, the, th the thing about Project Downfall is, I it's hard to talk about the game without spoiling, and it, it, sometimes the less you know, the mm -hmm. better. So whenever people on the Discord ask me how to get this ending or what happens here, and I like the best thing about the Dark Souls game is the community discovering the stuff for themselves. I'm just leaving breadcrumbs, and <laughs> they will connect the dots because. Uh, yeah, there is. There are just so many subplots over there leading to different outcomes. But even just uh, talking about them, just even in the slightest, will just be spoiler territory. So I'd prefer to avoid that for now. Um, you're in the perfect place, man. We we respect you here in the keep. We love you, and we will Cheers. find out more later. Let's just put it that way. Thanks, man. Greatly appreciate. Thank you very much to Crimson Reaper for joining us. It was such an amazing and enlightening experience to hear about what he and his family went through and also, of course, how that inspired Project Downfall. Make sure you're following them on all the social media shit and on Steam and play the demo. Whatever you got to do, get it now if you can. So serious. Fantastic game. I very much enjoyed my time playing the early access version of it. Make sure that you tune in to Realms Deep coming up August the 13th through the 15th. I will be there. If you're not there, you're probably a big fat fucking square. I'm not going to lie to you. But if you do have to miss it for some real life reason, it'll all be on YouTube and such afterwards. You can catch up on all the action and everything. But yeah, that, that's like my main goal right now. I'm going to be in Denmark doing that shit. Gotta say thanks to all of our wonderful supporters who've gone to inthekeep.com forward slash support and put their money where their mouth is on our Patreon. Shannon, Ben, Bridge, Anthony, Mike, Zan, Lord Revan, Fred, Brandy, Jack, Robert, Graceless Dragon, Red Eyes, Brad, Dots, Moose, Paul, the whole Flam fam, and of course to the people who often contribute music to the show, Evrock Simon and the Morpher. I love you all. I love you, the listener. The Drowned God Cathala loves you, and until next time, stay in the key.